0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. Where we've been since the last week of April, just to recap, is we're 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 not going according to the Sidur. We're talking about different conceptions of God, as they f- may filter into the Sidur and to your own personal theology. We all filter them into our personal theology, and we're going in order sort of historically. So we've started on biblical ideas about God, and we talked about the idea of the Malach, that God could take physical representation, physical representation, I guess that's the word. Um, And we talked about the idea that God can be localized in the temple, God's kavod or God's presence. Then we talked about more abstract idea of, uh, Sefer Tvarim, Deuteronomy, that the only thing we have of God is God's shame and God's Tvarim, God's name and God's words, that that's what's related to the temple and not, um, at all a physical presence. And now we're going to do two weeks talking about God's presence in nature this week and next week. And then, Uh, I wish I could get to it all this week, but I can't because then we're going to take a break and it doesn't exactly make sense. I don't know how we're going to do that. Maybe we'll meet on the one in between is Rosh Chodesh. It's June. I'm not sure what that date is when Rosh Chodesh is that Tuesday. Maybe we'll meet then. Let me think about that because that would help us sort of uh, because I was going to do the Rosh Chodesh Psalm. I'm going to do the Rosh Chodesh Psalm next week. Never mind what I just said. Okay. (laughs) Never mind what I just said. Okay, so we're going to have uh, two sessions at least about talking about God's presence in nature, okay? Uh, sorry, the Bible's view of God's presence in nature. That's what I mean to say the ta- the Tanakh's view. And I am dividing this into two uh aspects, uh all the beauty of nature stuff sublime, organized, crafted. I'm going to look at that next week. And this week, we're going to look at a view of God in nature as um, the God of power, the God who is who is experienced in the power of nature. Now, let me tell you what I mean by power. We have in the Tanakh pieces here and there of um, poetry which talk about uh, God as the powerful forces of nature our ancestors lived less protected than most of us live, less protected from the natural world and um, they looked at nature and they saw forces of power which sometimes awed them and sometimes frightened them and these forces of power are sometimes depicted as the storm, the lightning and thunder. Um, there's residue in uh, biblical literature of um, a pre-Israelite, which is to say polytheistic, um, epic poem of in the beginning of time, there was... The God who was manifest in the storm, the power of the storm, and, um, the waters rebelled against that deity and that deity had to subdue the waters. You might imagine, we might, we might imagine how people imagined this. They might have seen like a storm at sea where it looked like the, Waves are surging up and the storm is surging down. And uh, pagans have, you know, interpreted this as conflict of forces in the world. And in the end, the waters are subdued. So there's evidence. We have bits and pieces here and there of um, probably what was an Israelite epic poem, which probably before that it was a Canaanite epic poem. And maybe they just substituted Hashem's name, the Yudke Vavke, for the word Baal, because we've also found Canaanite versions of this story. Um so this ends up getting once B'Nai Israel, our ancestors become more securely monotheized, okay. At a certain point, people no longer believe in different gods fighting manifest in the forces of nature but what is left as a residue is uh poetic passages of um about the power of various forces in nature the power of the storm the power of the thunder okay now we're familiar with some of this already without even thinking about it like just think about the revelation at mount sinai right god does not come quietly saying hey i have a message for you let me teach you torah that that that's in the midrash in the rabbinic midrash you know god learns torah with moshe um but in the text of just the torah itself in exodus right in shemot uh, there's thunder and lightning and shofar blasts meaning it's a, revolution, a revelation that is um I hesitate to call it violent. I don't want to call it violent, but powerful. Okay. So we have, pardon? Fanfare. Fanfare. Okay. Very strong fanfare. Um, and then we have, by the way, the anti version of this is Brachi chapter one, right? Genesis chapter one, which says, no, 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 God creates everything not with anything that we would recognize as um, physical force, but rather just Vayomer. God speaks it, and it is. It's a non-forceful version of creation. Okay? And we have, like, the waters are bounded, right, on day three. God says the waters should be here and not there. But again, it's just Vayomer Elohim, God said as opposed to various passage, passages, poetic passages, where it says, Hashem rebuked the waters and set their boundaries and said, do not go further than this, right? It's a much more assertive and powerful version of it. So probably Brashi chapter one is kind of a, uh, you can understand it as an alternative view to the God of nature, where you, by the way you might say um you know that power is more powerful meaning god doesn't have to fight god just speaks and it is okay but that's the ideology of brashi chapter 1 so we're going to look at just a few passages and many some of them are familiar to you let me give me a moment to do to organize my screen share psalm 93 right you're familiar with this it's the psalm for friday we say it friday night we say it lots of times hashem malach yalech god reigns god is king robed in majesty strength the world stands firm it cannot be shaken which seems to imply that maybe before god reigned the world was not firm and might be shaken okay and what happened back then? Maybe before God. You, there's an implication here. I think you may disagree with me, but implication before God reigned, the oceans thundered. Okay, but God was mekolot ma'im adir bamarom. God, mighty in heaven, was more adir, more mighty translated here as majestic, then the thundering waters, meaning waters are thundering, but God is more powerful than them. Okay? So we have here kind of a little residue of that, you know, epic poem um, of waters are thundering, but God is more powerful. Let's take a look at Psalm 29. Which doesn't have waters but has a storm? Well, maybe it has a little bit of waters. Mizmur Ladavid. Everyone knows it, right? We we sing that Friday night. We sing it Shabbat morning when we take the the Torah back to the Ark. Okay, praise God. Kol Hashem al haMayim, El Hakavod hirim, Hashem al Mayim Rabim. Okay, God's voice is over the waters. Did you ever stop and think about what this means, by the way, when you say it on shop this morning? God's, what are the waters all of a sudden? God's voice are over the waters. God thunders. God is over the mighty waters. Again, I want to point out, we have on day two and day three, by the way, even day one of creation, it's veruach Elohim mirach hefet Hamayim. right? The, the Spirit of God is floating over the waters. And then day two, God says, let the waters be separated. It's very uh verbal and instantaneous. And then day three, God says, let the waters be gathered into one place. So here we have a different kind of sense of that story. It's God is thundering over the mighty waters and God's coal is present in that power. Okay? And now we have a different aspect of it. God's sound. Sorry, I, I, I anthropomorphized. Uh some would translate is God's voice or God's sound smashes the cedars. In ancient Israel, the biggest trees they can imagine are the cedars of Lebanon. King Solomon sent for cedars to be cut in Lebanon to build the temple because they don't have good building wood in Eretz Israel that grows naturally. To us in California, what would we say? Redwoods. Redwoods, right? Smashes the redwoods, right? It's the kind of the biggest, mightiest trees we can imagine, right? So the biggest, mightiest trees they can imagine. God's voice or sound smashes the cedars, right? By the way, I just want to point out the Hebrew here. Shover, which is the um, kal or simplest conjugation, and via which is pl, which is an intensified, which has the sense of the voice of God breaks the cedars. God smashes the cedars of Lebanon, shatters here in English. And he makes Lebanon, which, by the way, when they say Lebanon, they mean the mountains up north because it's mountain mountainous. He makes the mountains, Lebanon and Syrian, dance. Like a young animal, which sort of means what do young animals do? They prance around. So what's the sense here about the mountains? What are they doing? Are they rejoicing? Are they doing a happy dance? Sounds like it. No, they're they're trembling. Wow. They're shaking. Mountains are shaking. Okay? And God's sound kindles flames of fire. The English translation gives a different sense here when it says they skip. skip. I love it. Skip. I know. Right. Um, but you have to think if, 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 if God's sound voice, sound or voice call, whatever you, however you're trying to say, if it is so mighty, right. Stay in the Psalm with me, stay in the poem. If it is so mighty that it smashes trees mm-hmm. in the next line, do we think that means, oh, and they're dancing and prancing or it's we're talking about God's power and mightiness. So what does it mean? I think it means the hills are shaking right? Anyway, that's how I take it. Uh, God's voice kindles flames of fire. What might that mean in context? Think of those redwoods. A lightning strike and and a forest fire. I guess. There's fires. Yep. And um, it even causes the wilderness to tremble. Again, this gives a sense of earthquake, something like that. Okay. And then at the end, Hashem lamabul yashav, God sat enthroned at the flood. Now, again, we have a story about a flood, right? In the in Noah, the Noah story in Genesis, but Brashit. But what we're used to is God brings the flood. God says, rain, come down. God says, rain, stop. There's no sense whatsoever in our story that we're used to in Brashit of that the flood has any independent power or that God subdues the flood, or anything like that. It is a, um, so what we have in Brashit is, both in the creation chapter and in the flood story, is a much, I'm going to call it, depowerized, de- de-physicalized. That's a better word, not depowerized. De-physicalized version of it. De-conflicted, okay? There's no conflict. God says, even if the, even if the flood, Noah's flood was sort of violent, right? We have a sense of violent, terrible rain, so much so that it drowned everyone and covered the whole earth, right? There's no conflict. It's all at God's command. But here it's God is enthroned above the flood, right? So God is mighty. God is powerful. God appears in, uh, pardon me for putting it this way, storm phenomena, right? Thundering, setting fires, causing the earth to quake. Then in the end, enthroned above the flood. Okay? Vayeshev Hashem Melech Olam. All of this leads to God is enthroned forever and ever and ever. And because God is strong, let God, little coda here, let God grant strength to his people. Okay, one more psalm. It's up, um, put in the mouth of King David in the second book of Samuel, chapter 22. So David says, I'm going to scroll back. Everyone sees that, right? 2 Samuel 22. So David says, God, you are my strength. Please save me from the bad guys, as King David often says. Okay, because the bad guys are surrounding me. I called out to God. Okay, and God heard me. And here's what happens. When God hears me, presumably what we're leading up to, God is going to come to help me. How does God come to help me? Me being King David. Okay. The earth rocked and quaked. The foundations of heaven shook. Vait Gaashu, uh, which is translated here as rocked, although in modern Israeli, Har Gaash is a volcano. So another way of un- understanding this is they volcanoized. Because God was angry, right? So here, there's a feeling state imputed to God. This great power, right, is a manifestation that God is angry, and when God is angry, smoke comes out of His nostrils. Sorry hmm. for the anthropomorphization. I didn't make it up. David Hamelach made it up. Okay, um, mouth comes forth from his uh, fire comes forth from His mouth. He's like, God is sort of like a fire-breathing deity, okay, coals. And then what does he do? He bends the sky and comes down with clouds under his feet. He kind of surfs down from the heavens. So David <laughs> Amalek is saying, the bad guys are surrounding me. Hashem, I need your help. Okay, then what is depicted? God, thunders and night lightnings and nostrils snorting, bends down to heaven and surfs down on a cloud or riding on a kruv, a cherub. We have the kruvim at the top of the Aaron. So whatever they are, they are some sort of creatures that God is riding on. We just read um, Ezekiel chapter one, right, as the Haftorah on the first day of Shavuot. So we had that vision of the kruvim, the mythical creatures upon which God's throne sits, So here he's riding on the groove and flying. Okay. By the way, there's a parallel. Um, It says, Vayera, Alkan Feiruach, he was seen on the wings of the wind. There's a parallel to this Psalm in the book of Psalms. I can't remember off the top of my head, which chapter it is. And there are a few little letter or word differences, but in the version of the book of Psalms, instead of Vayera, it's Vayede, which means he um, swooped in. Okay. So, God, is, again, the sur- cloud surfer is swooping in on the winds and remember what we said back when we talked about God's presence. God's presence is infinitely bright, you know, sometimes described as flame, lightning. So God travels surrounded by a cloud because if you looked at God, you would die. It would burn out your retinas. We have an ophthalmologist who has just joined us. Um, so God protects people sometimes by traveling with a cloud. So God put a cloud around him as a Sukkot, right? So God's Sukkah or protective covering is darkness, dripping clouds, huge thunderheads. Just think of some of these clouds we've been seeing in Los Angeles lately, even though, you know, this time of year, they almost never portend rain as opposed to on the East Coast, when you see those clouds and say, oh my God, it's going to pour. Okay, and there's flashing fire, and God thunders from the heaven. Okay, and He sends lightning bolts. Shades of, you know, Zeus or Apollo. Yep. And is are the lightning bolts? Does that mean? Sorry, the the arrows. Does the arrows? It's chitzim, which really means arrows, but it's parallel to barak, lightning. So presumably these are arrows of lightning and what happens when god appears like this in this um thunderous lightningy storm kind of thing the very foundations of the ocean bed are revealed meaning the ocean roils so much that you even see the seafloor okay why because of God's anger, because of God's, the breath of his, all right? And then King David goes back to, okay, so save me from the mighty waters. You're going to save me. 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 Okay? So we have here three passages. God appears in storm, lightning, thunder. Uh, it smashes things, smashes the cedars, mountains tremble, the earthquakes, we might even have a volcano, right? The sea is roiling and the sea floor is laid bare. And, and we could, and, and you've, now that I, I mentioned this, um, I might point out, if you think about it, you've probably seen other passages like this, right? It's like a line or two here and there. Again, not generally in the Torah because the Torah is not poetic, but in certainly in the Psalms and in some of the prophets who use these images of, God's presence in nature as, um, power, dominance. Okay. None of this is like, Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Okay. That is not the tone of these, right? I hope you see the tone of these is it's powerful and potentially scary. By the way, we have a residue of this ritually. The residue ritually is when you right, if you look at all those blessings you say about things you eat and things you smell in your Sidur there's a bracha that you say when you see lightning, there's a bracha that you say when you hear thunder, right? It's kind of the liturgical um residue of this. Um pause. Thoughts question comment Larry or Diane? Since the um the uh Excerpt you read from Shmuel Bet is the Haftara for Hazinu. Yeah. I just wonder if there are any comments on it. Hazinu is, is similarly a a poem, but it doesn't have any of that um um fire and brimstone. It doesn't, Hazinu. but it does have but it does have God um taking vengeance. But it also has God like God as a as a Nesher, as an eagle uh-huh. coming and it's yeah. it's it's a much it's a much nicer uh, you know I don't have know what huh gentler a gentler vision of God in 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 okay in, it also says in Hazenu Li Nakam Vishilaim, right vengeance is mine saith God so I just want to say you, you know you're picking you're cherry picking one verse I'm cherry picking another verse right um so the, obviously the super and 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 obviously this would be of interest to the Haftorah plethora guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. So on the most superficial level, it's a uh, Hazinu at the end of Deuteronomy is poetic. So they picked a uh, Haftorah that's poetic. That's very superficial. Um, you know, and I always say, oh, you want to look at links, look at, you know, the the introduction to the Haftorah, you know, in Fishbane's um Uh, volume of the JPS, you know, the JPS Haftorah Commentary, who always looks for deeper things. So, you know, we could see both, right? But you are correct that in Hazinu, there's not a lot of poetry about the storm, right? God in the storm. Yeah. Okay? So, You know, we we might call this God in the storm. It's not always storm. Sometimes it's storm. Sometimes, by the way, sometimes there are other passages where God is striding forth out of the desert, right? And the mountains are quaking and there's lightning. So it's not always against the water. So there are a variety of versions of this, which suggests that there were a variety of, you know, scholars always say in general in, I hesitate to use the, the word primitive, but in, in long ago societies, poetry predates prose. That's what they always say, right? Homer is before, you know, Greek prose. Um And so probably this is an earlier version. And there were probably different versions, different kinds of poems of God's power. Okay. So it could be a, a fighting against the storm, sub, subduing the waters. It could have been coming out of the desert, right? We have different kinds of images, but they all have in common um power and dominance. And sometimes actually there are forces that are subdued, which implies they need to be subdued. They should be subdued. Okay. Michael H. There's ro- roiling the sea and laying bare the seabed, of course, is reminiscent of, of the Exodus. Correct. So we have... Various echoes of this in other passages, but it's clear that underlying those echoes is an earlier, I'm going to put in air quotes, story, which is, again, which scholars say is an epic poem. If If I sort of said to you, you know, just literarily, what do you think comes first and what do you think comes second, right? My inclination would be to say, oh, the poet of Shirat Hayyam right, the song at the sea, is using a trope from the poem of God subduing the waters to say, yes, and when B'nai Israel, uh, 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 you know, it's like which evokes which, right? It's B'nai Israel leaving Egypt and God laying the waters bare, splitting the waters, is an echo of what God did in the beginning of time, quote-unquote, when the world was created. And again, um, So we have some echoes of that. And obviously, again, Breishi chapter one is a total echo of that story, but it is a de-conflicted version of it. I would say it that way. So we're going to look next week at God's presence in nature in a way that we might find, we moderns, might find more congenial and appealing because it's going to sound more peaceful and God, the craftsman who designed everything beautifully. Okay. And um, maybe I artificially separated those two into this week and next week. Um, I don't think it's an artificial separation. I think we have sort of different strands of how God is present manifest in the world. And there's one strand that we looked at today, which is God. Is present in the world of nature through power. People look at certain things. The storm or the storm at sea causes them to imagine that there's some divine scene behind it of waters rebelling against the heavens and the waters. Cause of course, whatever, what always happens at the end of the storm. Sun comes out, and there's a rainbow, yeah, but what happens and what happens to the waters? they recede calm. they're calm, they recede, and they're calm, right, so it's clear that the deity above has quelled whatever forces there might be subdued them, okay, and so uh, our ancestors looked at these forces, lightning, thunder, storms, earthquakes, occasionally volcanoes, right. Uh, and they saw God's presence and they saw it. Again, I just want to make it clear. I'm not saying exactly it's a conflict, but the, they didn't see in it beauty, harmony, peacefulness. They saw um dominance and power. It's very masculine hearing myself say it. Okay. Dominance and power. God quells the forces, and when God appears, God appears. It's it's not a, um, um, it's not a peaceful thing when God appears. By the way, footnote, final footnote, then we'll stop. What's the anti? There's a, a lot of people say the anti Sinai revelation story, the anti giving of the Torah story. When else does God appear at Sinai, to the prophet Eliyahu? That's a Haftorah. I can't remember when it's a Haftorah. We'll have to ask the Haftorah plethora guys. Right? When's Haftorah? And Eliyahu goes to Chorev, which is Deuteronomy's name for Sinai. And what happens when Eliyahu is there? The prophet Elijah. Anyone remember? There's a big thunder, but God is not in the thunder. Yes. There's lightning flashing, but God is not in the lightning. The mountain's quaking. I don't remember all the details, but God is not in the earthquake. And then what is there? Kol de Mama dakah. Translated in the King James Bible as a still small voice, whatever, whatever it is, or the sound of a thought, a soft murmuring. And God is present in that. Okay. So there are a lot of people who read that and they see that as kind of a anti, I don't want to call it a polemic, right? But, uh, but, um, an alternative version of God's revelation. There's lightning, there's thunder, there's earthquake. God is not in any of those things, right? You think it's about the storm. No, 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 no. It's in the still small voice, okay? And you can understand that as a, I'm going to call it a, a, a theological polemic or disagreement with this idea that God is present in the powerful dominance of nature. Okay, uh, we're running over a few minutes. Let's all chew on that and, but, uh, and you can think some more react next week. And next week we'll take a look as God is present in nature in the harmony and beauty. I actually, I actually oh, had oh, a, thank you. Go ahead. I actually had a comment. Yes. I, I'm driving, so it took a while. So another, another place where God is at Sinai interacting is at the Acada. Uh, maybe although the shot of the, text, the simplest meaning is it doesn't say that that's at Sinai. That's a midrashic connection. Uh, Ah, okay. Uh, Right, so midrashic connection, Uh, and then you can you can drash that if you want you know, God's power, dominance. By the way, sorry, uh, the drash is not that it's at Sinai, the drash is that it's Jerusalem. Yeah. Not Sinai. Although undoubtedly, I don't know, maybe Muslims connect it to somewhere else um okay so let's leave that aside interesting thought and uh everyone you know put that in your pipe and smoke it and uh god willing we'll meet again next week you have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from temple beth a dynamic center for conservative judaism in los angeles if you enjoy these podcasts we invite you to write a review on the apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts